Rabbis call him pastor. Pastors call him rabbi. His patients call him doc. And his New York family calls him Mashuga, crazy, because he believes in Messiah. Welcome to this episode of To Life, where Miles Weiss highlights the hope behind the headlines. Welcome to this edition of To Life. I'm Miles Weiss, and I'm glad to be with you today. We're rounding the bend towards the end of Hanukkah, which is the Festival of Lights. And the title of this message is The Maccabees Then and Now, because you may be a Maccabee. I'll explain it in a moment. You know, the, the scripture says that the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So God has an eternal reset that he will eventually be doing. But right now we're in this battle between what is and what may be in the near future. Imagine a time when there was a centralized government, a centralized military, and the oppression of the people of God and the their submission to this great army was so extant that they were not able to practice their faith in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Can you imagine ever living in a time like that? I think some of you can. So here's the thing about Hanukkah is that it takes place between the Testaments. So between in the Christian Bible, Malachi and Matthew, there's this 400-year period. But during that time, around 167 BC, there was this uprising against the Seleucid Greek army, the army that descended from the soldiers and the families and the philosophy of Alexander the Great. He was long gone. When these civilizations arose, they determined to make one world government out of the known world and make it a Greek-style world. In other words, they would have their own worship of all the Greek gods, the pantheon. You could not be allowed to do the things that were typically Jewish. And so the stubbornness of the people of the book comes into play as it often does in the world. And even today, we're seeing that there's a, an oppression trying to come against people of the book, both Jews and Christians. Now, it's interesting that for those of you who follow Jesus, Yeshua, that's the only place we see the holiday of Hanukkah celebrated. Both Testaments is in John 10, 22. Then came the Feast of Dedication. Dedication is the English word for Hanukkah at Jerusalem. It was winter and Yeshua walked in Solomon's porch. So get this. We speak about the cultural aspects of the holiday. We have the traditional miracle of the oil when the temple was rededicated, the oil lasting for eight days and having a celebration for eight nights and eight days. And we talk about all of the cultural things that we do that are wonderful. But in the context of John 10 is that it comes out of John 9, where Jesus heals the man born blind. So he's bringing light to this one individual, and then he's walking in the temple at the Festival of Lights, at the Feast of Dedication, as the light of the world. And his messiahship is now being questioned, but his authority is being seen. It's a real pivotal time in the story of the Gospels. Now, without Hanukkah, there would be no Christmas. Think about it. If the Seleucid armies, if the Syrio-Greco armies, if they had been able to completely wipe out the Jewish people, then guess what? No Joseph, no Mary, no Jesus. There would not be a Christmas. There would not be a Christianity. There would not be 2,000 years so far of faith had these armies succeeded. And the way that the battle came was so unique because it wasn't army against army. The Jews had no significant army. They had no serious sense of battle at the time, and they were vastly outnumbered. What happened was when the priestly family, the family of Mattathias, saw 
that there was a rising, this Hellenization, this Grecifying, we could say, of the culture that they went to battle. They stood up against one of the men that was making way for the Seleucids, and a battle began between 175 and 165 B.C. And now Daniel saw this way back in Daniel. He saw that this would be coming. He called it the abomination that makes desolation. We'll see it happening when the Seleucids took over the temple. They put a statue of Zeus in it, and they sacrificed a pig on the altar. They demanded that the Jewish people could no longer read the Torah. They burned the scrolls that they could find, and they put in place a a leader, Antiochus IV, the Epiphanes, he called himself, or basically the face of God. (laughs) And uh, I think about some of our governors and and, um, mayors today, and they're kind of in that same place, putting themselves in the as the face of God. And they had this miracle of the traditional oil when the battle was completed. It took four battles for the this little guerrilla army made of priests to be able to wrestle back and defeat this mighty, mighty army. And they rededicate it with the seven candelabra that are in oil-filled lamps that are in the temple. Now, Traditionally, it's said that it relates to Zechariah 4.6 in this way. In English, it sounds like this, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. But in Hebrew, it's seven words. In other words, those seven words that it's all about the power of the Lord relates to the seven lampstands in the menorah in the temple. The Hanukkah, the one that you see during this holiday season, has eight with one that's above called the shamash or the servant. It's for the eight days that we celebrate, and the servant candle is the one that lights the other candles. Wow. Just as Yeshua said in Matthew 20, 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So it's time to serve, always, always a good time to serve. Now, this holiday takes place in the darkest time of the year, which, of course, is fascinating because it's a festival of lights. Uh, the month of Kislev, when it takes place, is the darkest time of the year. It's the time of dreams. It's a time of hope. It's a time of looking to the future, but it's a dark time. What a perfect time for Yeshua to come and to be in the temple and to come as the temple, as the head and the chief cornerstone of the temple. There's some great customs, uh, the dreidel spinning, which kept the language alive, the Hebrew language alive. We eat oil foods to remember the candles, the uh, the oil lamps being lit for eight days, and we give out toys and presents to kids. It's a, it's a wonderful celebratory time. Now, the question that comes up in this season for us, that's why I'm calling this Maccabees then and now, is that there is a rising, a remnant in the earth. There's people all over the world right now praying for America because the Festival of Lights is also a festival of fights. The Jews back then were resisting Hellenism. They were resisting this mandate to conform themselves to the known world. They were rededicating their life to God in the temple by rededicating the temple, and they were also rededicating themselves to God. And they became an actually a Hasmonean dynasty that lasted for a while, and then they kind of lost their power and their adherence to God. But it was a very important, pivotal time. So this is a really good time for us to let our light shine. So you may be a modern-day Maccabee. Where does that name come from? Well, one of Mattathias' sons who led the battle against the Seleucids was named Judah. And the acronym for Maccabee comes from the Song of the Sea from Exodus 15.11. It's Mi Kamocha. 
Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Small g. Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in praise, doing wonders? It's from the Shira Hayam, the Song of the Sea, when Moses and the children of Israel crossed over. And so we see that there was a fullness of time aspect for the rededicating of the temple, just as there would be, as Galatians 4 4 tells us, a fullness of time when God sent forth his son which could not have happened had the Jewish people not survived. So God miraculously helped them to overcome. Now, the battle would continue even at the time of Jesus. It would be the Pax Romana. After the Greeks and the Seleucids were gone, it would give rise to Rome. And Rome's Pax Romana, or the Peace of Rome, meant a completely militaristic bootprint on all the cultures surrounding, especially on the Jewish people in the Middle East. I think we're living right now in a kind of a Pax Goriana, because we know that Al Gore invented the internet. And right now, AI and technology are colluding with giant centralized governments to try to move the whole world into one position, into one place of a centralized world government, centralized world economy. And very similar to the time of the Maccabees. That's why I'm calling you today that you may actually be a Maccabee. You're one who's saying, no, I'm not going to blindly submit to the things that I'm being told that I have to do, but I'm going to do my own research into what the science is, so-called, and I'm not going to submit to things. I'm grateful to hear, even today, restaurants in California are saying no to the mandate, which is not a scientific mandate. It's a mandate of man. It's a mandate. And so to me, it sounds like what's happening now is very similar to the time that the Jews were arising against this giant army and defeating them because of the miraculous power of God. English is the world language right now. In general, people speak English around the world. The internet has that as its main thing. The self-worship that the Greeks were all about, the humanism, self-worship, worshiping many gods, that was what's kind of happening now as a standard in the culture. And we're in a time of real paganism, you know, anything but Jesus. We're in a time of declining civilization. Of course, there are amazing technological breakthroughs, but there are also some terrifying things coming on the earth in terms of man trying to become immortal without God. So there was a time back then when the Jews were looking for deliverance in the Maccabees times, and then at the time that God sent forth his son in the Romans times. And I think today people are also looking for deliverance, but most people are looking for deliverance in either the government or hoping for aliens to come and save us, or some kind of socialism, some kind of a shared identity which brings everybody down to a basic level. So the dream for Alexander the Great, I love the way my friend Avner says, the dream for Alexander the Great was for a Greek reset, basically a great Grecian reset. I love that, because that's what's trying to happen now. We're hearing more and more about that, that there's a great reset coming where we're going to divvy up all the goods, and of course the multi-billionaires will stay at the top, and the rest of us will have to divide up our goods until nobody has anything. But this again, this comes from my friend Avner, I love this. God has a great Hebrew reset that he's doing in the world. I've been thinking for years and years, we've been preaching about how as the church gets in touch with her Hebrew roots, the Hebraic heart of the Lord, we will be able to really see some flexibility in denominationalism and all of the divisions in the church because we'll be grafted back into the root of the faith in a way that will bring a unity that we have not known before. But the great Hebrew reset also points to the centrality of Israel in the world. Remember, Yeshua, Messiah, is coming back to a Jewish Jerusalem. That is going to happen. So all things, all roads lead to Jerusalem, you could say. Zechariah 8.23 says it this way, in those days, 
in his day, in the future. Ten people from all the nations will grasp the garment of a Jew, saying, let us go with you, who we have heard that God is with you. There's coming a time when this reborn Israel will be the centralized place in the earth from which Yeshua will rule and reign, and all the nations of the earth will come up to worship with the Jewish people. In fact, Zechariah says that if they do not, there will not be rain on their lands. So there's going to be a time where we'll be celebrating Sukkot tabernacles with the nations in Jerusalem, and I'm looking forward to that time. So happy Hanukkah, Merry Messiahmas, and we'll see you. Remember, some of us believe he was conceived at Hanukkah and born in the fall at Tabernacles, at Sukkot, conceived as the light of the world and born as Emmanuel, God with us. He came to Tabernacle with us. But for now, remember the words of Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world, and that is the hope behind the headlines. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode of To Life, where we look for the hope behind the headlines, and we're looking forward to many more issues with you. We'll be able to cover things of culture, politics, spirituality, because it is a chaotic world out there, but there's always hope behind the headlines and a message to life. 